From the Delaware House Democratic Caucus, you're listening to Whip Count. It's one of the busiest holidays of the year, and it unofficially marks the end of the summer season. It's Labor Day, and the holiday pays tribute to the hard work and achievements of American workers. It's also celebrated on the first Monday of September, and it became a federal holiday in 1894. In the early 1800s, the average American worked 12-hour days and seven-day weeks, sometimes without breaks at work. People from all walks of life, especially immigrants and poor people, often face unsafe working conditions just to make a living. As we come together with family and friends, it's important for all of us to remember the history behind Labor Day and use it as an opportunity to reflect on the meaning of our work and mission in life. I'd like to start the conversation off with Delaware Secretary of Labor, Saran Cade. Welcome. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about some surprising facts about Labor Day. No one wears white after Labor Day. I mean, that was always the fashion faux pas, right? You know, you couldn't wear white shoe, white shoes, and you couldn't wear those things, which was, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't really apply that to sneakers. I always felt like that was more for, you know, uh, 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 you know, people who were fashionistas and might wear white pants in the summertime. It was kind of a cutoff time <laughs> for all of that. But I never wore, like, white pants or anything like that in the summertime. So I never really paid a lot of attention to it. But, yeah, I've, I've seen that. I've heard it. And I've seen it play out. And I've seen people get a lot, catch a lot of hell for uh, wearing white after Labor Day. I have no idea where it came from. But yes, I think that's kind of a universal rule now. One of the busiest holidays for retailers, for sure. Lots of sales, back mm-hmm. to school shopping. Oh, Is yeah. that, that That's another surprising fact when you hear about Labor Day. Yep, yep. Everybody, everything goes on sale around Labor Day. You know, they start clearing their shelves of all of their summer stuff. And if you're a fashion person, that's when the fall wear starts hitting the shelves new stuff. So it's it's an exciting time of year. It's nothing to be sad about around Labor Day. I know. But on a serious note, what does Mm -hmm. Labor Day, what does this holiday mean to you? Yeah. So, you know, Labor Day is a very, very uh, important holiday that I don't really think gets it for a lot of things that you mentioned. I don't think really gets enough attention for the reason that we celebrate this during this time of year because of the fact that so many other things have kind of, as you alluded to, emerged that, you know, kind of define Labor Day as something other than celebration of the sacrifices that workers have made throughout the years. And it's focused on, you know, whether you're wearing white after Labor Day, all of the sales, getting a day off of work, and all those things are great, as we talked about in definitely is a great time of year but I think we definitely have to take time out to remember people uh, men women black white Latino gay straight who have fought battles for dignity in the workplace fair wages and we don't want to we don't want to forget their impact and their sacrifice and that that battle continues and there are a lot more things that we have to do 
in order to realize the dream that they set out uh, to achieve. I agree. Now, you're quite familiar with connecting people to job resources and training programs. Has this day taken on a whole new meaning because of your current role as the Secretary of Labor? Absolutely, because you see firsthand not only the importance of the movement that has brought us here, but also the importance of the movement that is really yet to materialize that are focused on important topics like wage fairness, like fair pay for equal work, equity in the workplace. And you realize that we still have a heck of a way to go to achieve those things. And so it makes you look at the, the battles of the past and the struggles of the past and almost a compass or a guide to how we should be mobilizing for the issues of tomorrow and today for that matter. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, while we remember the struggles of the past, we can't ignore the struggles of today, right? Of mm-hmm. what, right now with the pandemic, for an, for an example, workers, I'm sure, are still fighting battles and struggling during the Great Recession between 2009 and 2011, the state of Delaware lost about 26,000 jobs in total wow. during that time period. In April of this year, we lost 77,000 jobs. Again, between 2009 and 2011, we lost 26,000 jobs mm-hmm. in the greatest recession that we had seen since the 30s. And But in one month in this year, we lost three times yes. that total. Um, Devastating. This, this is, we are in an era right now where we're seeing job numbers and unemployment numbers that uh, we've never seen before. And in an era that comes where people have made statements in the past that they want government to be so small that you could drown it in a bathtub, those same people are looking at that government and asking it to step in and asking a system that they have uh, disinvested in for years uh, to now step up and be the defense against a crumbling economy uh, and a devastating pandemic. And it goes to show us that at the end of the day, the things that really matter are the things that impact workers and families. And so I would hope that when we get out of this crisis, which we will, that we do some soul searching and recognize that things like investing in, you know, ensuring that unemployment is solvent and is available to workers, ensuring that the systems are upgraded so that they can accommodate a, you know, DEFCON 5 situation that we're in right now, where workers were, you know, this system is the only thing that stands in between utter poverty and a pandemic. And, you know, hopefully we'll be able to look at things that we can attach to our worker system that benefits all workers. We have issued during this time period about $780 million in unemployment benefits to workers over the last five months. To put that in context, that is about, we, we issued about 36 million or 33 million all of last year. 
again, $33 million last year, $780 million, including federal funds that we've issued this year. Not only does that have a, you know, an incredible impact on workers, but it has an incredible impact on the economy and prevents what could have been or could be uh, an incredible slide in uh, economic activity, which leads to more layoffs and uh, more devastation. So I would hope that once we get out of this, that we look at Labor Day as an opportunity to ask ourselves, what are we doing for workers? What are we doing to ensure that they have the economic stability to support our economy? That's a mouthful and well said. It's not that often where you would leave me speechless. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. So... But no, I really thank you for bringing up all of these things and being open and transparent, giving us more food for thought. Is there anything else you'd like to add at all? We've made some incredible progress over the last uh, few years, and we've got a, we still got a ways to go. Uh, we've, we've added greater protections in our system for construction workers, for low-wage workers to protect them in the workplace. Uh, we've improved our workers' compensation system to ensure that people get injured on the work site, uh, that they have opportunity to collect benefits in order to uh, continue to put food on the table if they cannot uh, uh, work due to injury. We have made incredible strides during this pandemic to improve unemployment. We've still got a ways to go. Uh, A lot of it is going to involve the General Assembly and the legislature, and we'll work together uh, with them to Im- improve this system for the future. Um, and so I-, I am incredibly proud of the work that our team has done and the work that the legislature has done over the last few years. Uh, it shows a great sign that there is a commitment on both sides of the aisle to support workers and to uh, uh, move the needle a little bit closer to where we'd like to be. Um, so I- I'm-, I'm happy with that. But I also recognize that we have a ways to go, and uh, there is an incredible commitment from the Department of Labor and the administration, and I know the General Assembly, to get it done. And we want to make sure that that same commitment exists in the community because nothing gets done unless the public uh, wants to see it happen. And so um, I just urge everybody to take this Labor Day time period, enjoy it with your family, enjoy the time off from work, Uh, But don't take any time off when it comes to thinking about how we can improve the lives of workers. Representative Ed Ozinski, thank you so much for making time to share your story on Whip Count. Now, you've been dedicated to fighting for Delaware's working families for years, union members, and much more. When it comes to Labor Day, tell us what comes to mind. Well, Labor Day is always a special holiday for me, being somebody that's got 38 years as a member of a building trades labor union. I always take that opportunity on Labor Day to remind friends and family what we're celebrating. Labor Day really is about the battles and the struggles that the labor movement's forefathers took years ago to gain improvement in working conditions that all Americans enjoy today. And I think most people realize that, that uh, labor unions fought for fair wages. 
they fought for safe working conditions. They fought for the eight-hour workday, and they fought for the 40-hour work week, which um, has brought us the weekend. Yeah. So, yeah, Labor Day is a special holiday for me. So tell me, what do you have to say to the people who often say, we don't need a union. What's the purpose of a union? Why do we have them? What do you say to those people? Well, you know, I listed off some things. Yeah, and and, and most people will say, you know, yes, they, labor unions did really good things back then. But you have to understand today's economy and the workforce needs are constantly changing. Uh, one example is we're currently in a pandemic, and most of our essential workers, you know, the grocery clerks, the cashiers, uh, poultry workers, construction workers, our uh, healthcare workers, uh, all those, uh, many of those have been represented by unions, and those unions have advocated for them with their employers to make sure and guarantee the safety uh, measures were provided for them to continue as essential workers that we all enjoyed while many of us were home safe, you know, working from home. So today, labor unions still have a need. And today's economy and the workforce changes with globalization and technology, we still need somebody speaking for the working people as jobs are globalized, shipped overseas, and we need to still make adjustments to some of these things that uh, workers face, like benefits. Um, It's very hard now to obtain a job that pays decent benefits. And sometimes... Nowadays, you may work several different careers for several different employers over a lifetime. It wasn't like years ago when you could do a whole career with one employer. So something I'm looking at is a system of portable benefits where it's like Social Security. Social Security stays with that worker all the way through their career, no matter how many job changes. We need to look at something like that for health care, possibly health care, retirement, you know, days off, paid days off, if contractors, employers, and workers can contribute into some sort of portable benefits that stay with a worker. Okay. So your passion comes from, I don't want to say your very first job because I don't want to age you, but you were involved in the fire and sprinkler industry and battled over wages and benefits, which I guess would be the reason why you got involved in a union. Tell us a little bit about that. That was a pivotal moment in my life, and it happened early right out of high school when I went to work in the fire sprinkler industry. And I had a lot of success there because it was something I really liked doing, I enjoyed doing, and I was pretty good at it. But I did struggle over compensation with my employer. And it's a niche industry, so there wasn't many too many options to move on to. And I felt like I had no choice but to take some action of my own. And what I did was I spoke to some union reps and we put an organizing campaign that I led talking to my coworkers. And we had enough authorization cards signed where the National Labor Relations Board came in and we had an election. It was a democratic process. The majority of my co-workers voted for the union and this 
contractor now has been a union contractor for over 40 years. Um, So it made a huge difference in my life and my family's life because it provided me with the benefits and the pension plan and stuff like that. So you're retired now, correct, Representative? That's correct. But you're still active. Why do you feel the need to still be involved? Well, I think any good union is, is strong from their members being active. They need to get involved. They need to be active in politics. And the real key is to make sure that they're still productive and training. Our local union takes pride in training our workforce because reality is if the contractor that employs you is not making money, you're not going to have a job. So we know it's a partnership between the employer and the employee. We just can't just arbitrarily raise wages and benefits and put them out of business. So we have to work with them employers and make sure we're being as productive as possible so they benefit also. So that's kind of what I stay involved in. Yes. And what would happen if labor movements just disappeared and went away? Well, my fear is some corporations and businesses will see that there is no option for their workforce to go to to help them. And that could become a race to the bottom and they'll they'll blame it on competition. But the reality is it's generally greed. So the fear that there's unions out there to step in and represent workers, I think, keeps everybody honest. Yes. So when you think of today's time with social unrest and racial inequality and protests, do you relate that somehow to early labor movements in the past? I do. It's a perfect uh, relationship there. I see that as um, this weekend, this Labor Day weekend, there'll be heavy, there'll be a lot of stories on the news about social unrest and protests. And I think what it is is many Americans can no longer stay silent. And it's not just the racial injustice issue, but it's also about the economic inequities. Workers struggle to build a secure and prosperous life, and um, So I think a lot of the protest out in the streets is also being influenced by the economic injustice that is occurring. I think the system currently is benefiting those at the top tier and not trickling down to the workforce. It seems like businesses and all will profit from the labor of workers but they keep more and more of that profit for themselves. And I think in the past, in our history, that was happening and there was a breaking point where workers were getting fed up and they took to the streets and they made changes. So we need to make sure federally that protections remain in place that allow workers to organize, unite, and have a voice in the industry that they're employed in. While you relate the two, I I understand from an op-ed piece or something that you wrote about, it's not the looting that you agree with, but you understand the, you understand the movement. 
I do. I mean, sometimes civil disobedience is often the only way, you know, to force lasting change. And labor unions have proved that when coal miners were being mistreated and there wasn't safety precautions. And basically, they felt their lives didn't mean anything to the man that was running the coal mines. They they took to the streets and sometimes it was violent. Sometimes they were defending themselves because sometimes the employers were the ones doing the violence. But, you know, we must always have zero tolerance for looting and destruction of property. So I understand why people have taken the streets recently, but I do think the looting and violence and destruction of property takes away from your message. You know, oftentimes Representative Ozinski, we look to, and myself included, to be honest, we look to certain holidays as, oh, this is just another day off and I need it. But this is a very serious movement that we cannot take lightly. And I appreciate you bringing up different things, even your past history and what motivated you to get involved. But how do we motivate others? Well, I think today some of our uh, workforce don't feel like a labor union is a necessity for them because they may be in academics, they may be in technology design, they may be in financial banking. And I think many people feel like it doesn't really pertain to them. But as changes are happening now and technology is eliminating jobs and putting people out of work or where they're forced to work multiple part-time jobs, I think it's starting to send a message on its own. I think the changes, and this technology is rapidly growing, so it's going to continue, and it's at a, on a very fast pace. So there are changes, and I think people are starting to worry about that. And people don't feel quite secure. So it's more than just organizing and joining a union. It's a, a, the whole conversation about how we're going to address work in the future is something that everybody needs to be aware of. And I think I think labor unions will still play a pivotal role or set examples. But you know, when it comes to unions, you know, if workers are doing well and are treated fairly, then there is no need for a union to represent them. They're really there when employers go too far and start taking advantage of workers. So, you know, I think the system works that way. If employers treat their employees well and workers are making a good living and having a prosperous life, then there is no need for a union. But if that changes and people are abused and taken advantage of, then the union can really be beneficial. Thank you. On a lighter note, tell us, how do you plan to spend Labor Day? What are you going to do to commemorate Labor Day? Well, I'm going to take some time off and enjoy the fruits of my labor and spend it with family and loved ones. And I recommend that all working Delawareans take some time this weekend, uh, enjoy the fruits of their labor, spend time with their loved ones, and always remember who brought you the weekend. 
organized labor. Now I'd like to take this time to introduce James Marvellis, who serves as business manager for one of the largest trade unions in Delaware. In addition, Mr. Marvellis also serves as president of the Delaware Building Trades. He is the elected business manager of the Labor's District Council of Delaware and a proud veteran of the United States Navy. Uh, did I miss anything? You're quite the busy man. Did I miss anything, Mr. Marvellis? Uh no, other than the president of the AFL in Delaware also. Oh, wow. Another hat. <laughs> oh, wow. Another hat. A man of many hats. Tell us, we are coming to the Labor Day weekend. Lots to celebrate. Lots of history. What would you like people to remember this year? Well, based on the current situation we're in with COVID and a lot of areas in the country are hard hit construction trades and unions have taken a, a, a great deal of, of their own hits this year, as far as jobs go. And uh, I, I just want people to remember, especially, you know, outside of, of our unions that we, we have fought battles over the last 200 years to try to get the unions to where they, and I'm, I'm not going to say 200 years, but you know what I'm saying? certainly the last 150 years yes. uh, unions in this country and you know, what they're taking for granted this, uh, you know, is at labor days, you know, we all have the parades and the hoopla, but we tend to forget the people that have died and shed blood for organized labor to take hold uh, in the United States. And, you know, we are the forefront for uh, representation for minorities and women and, Basically, the middle class is 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 the labor unions, and I think that's been lost. I think corporate America has done a really great job of bringing us out as criminals and as the cause of whatever happens in the economy in, in, in the United States, and actually we're the only ones that really are keeping people with livable wages and taking care of their benefits and pensions and, and health and welfares and uh, it's a shame, but I just want people to remember that, you know, we, we're not the bad guy. Yeah. Uh, well, you mentioned this is something that people have fought for for years, for well over 100 years. And yes. the fight continues, would you say? Yes. Uh, we're fighting every day. Uh, anywhere in the country you look up, uh, certainly with this current administration, I don't want to get into the politics part of it, but you have to because, you know, uh, organized labor, to some extent, depending on what union you re you're representing or you're in, deals with OSHA, certainly the trades, safety on the job. Uh, that was all brought forward by organized labor. And now you have the NLRB, which is the key striking point that uh, the, this administration has used against us, is uh, taking away the, the workers' rights to a fair sort of representation trial or even to organize. I mean, they, they're, they're killing our rights left and right. And I just want people to understand that, you know, maybe, you know what, I think it's probably what we have not done as organized labor. I remember growing up and you see commercials on television and it was a tune uh, and it used to do with uh, sewing when they would do clothes and American label and it was the union label. I don't know if you remember that little jingle that used to be on television. We have not had a, a union commercial on television. In I don't know how many decades. 
And that that hurts us when people don't know to look for a union label or they demand that now you see it more because of what's happening with the with China and, and the administration and overseas and you, you see where people are looking for made in the USA and they need to know that when, they, when they're buying made in the USA, whether it's union or not, they're supporting their communities and, and their neighbor. I'm glad you brought that up. What keeps you going? I, I, I guess, I mean, I, I came from a, a family of immigrants that uh, my father came over here when he was in his forties and you know, I, I came up through the ranks. I joined the military. I came out of there. I mean, things took a different turn, and I ended up in, in a construction trade. But ultimately, it's trying to leave – it's it's whatever was given to me, try to leave it better for the next guy that comes along. So if I can make an impact and, and get us a little bit better than what I've had given to me as far as where, where our – uh, our membership is in Delaware or where we are as far as the trades are in Delaware, the laborers, you know, we, w- I just want to be able to, if, if I was given 400 members, I want to be able to give it to the next guy, 401, at least be an increase. So that keeps me going until I'm ready to go. And I just hope November proves to be a, a good year for us, even though it's been a terrible year since uh, March. So that's what keeps me going. Thank you for sharing that. So we don't have any parades, no celebrations to remind people or connect people with uh, union members so that they can hear stories, hear those personal stories. What would you suggest? How can we still connect with you guys to hear those stories? I just think that, you know, nationally we should be looking at putting them damn commercials back on online. I mean, I don't care what it is, just, just an awareness for people to know that we're, you know, what we do and where we're at and, and, you know, try to combat. And I know there's big money on the other side hurting us, but we need to be able to let the people know, you know, the country's not 60 million, a hundred million people. You know, you, you can't reach them. There's 330 plus it's, it's how do you reach every household? So they know, that, you know, unions are what built this country, and we are the middle class. Whip Count is brought to you by the Delaware House Democratic Caucus. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dehousedems, on Twitter at dehousedems, on Instagram also at dehousedems. More episodes are coming, so make sure you're subscribed.